Are you looking for truth from God's word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons, Bible teacher and president of Clarity Christian College, formerly known as Florida Bible College. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. God does not heal everyone. Now that part is hard because why he chooses to heal some and not others and why we would permit a child to die young or an older person to get healed to have a few more years or whatever. I don't understand that, but I don't have to understand all about God because God is doing something much bigger than, watch this, watch this. He also says that this is only one nano split second of all eternity compared to the biggest thing I'm doing to build my kingdom for the glory of myself. And so I can't put God into this one moment, in this one event, in this one child, or this one woman, or this one man, or this one sickness. I can't do that. But I do know that God is going to work it all out. That's why it is essential for you and me to know Christ is our Savior. Because while we may never get healed in this world, God does promise there is healing in the atonement. And that healing is an eternal healing that we'll receive when we have eternal life in heaven. We will get a new body, no more pain, no more sorrow, no more disease. Now, some of you might be saying, well, pastor, that's just a big cop-out. I'm afraid it's not a cop-out. I'm telling you that it's truth. And if you embrace that, it'll help you to sort through a lot of the challenges that you might have. So let's stay in the passage again. Let me come back now. So when it says here, James says, so what do you do when you're sick? Well, in this context, we're going beyond you need an aspirin. We're going beyond, you need to see a doctor. You've done everything. You're now basically crumbling on the inside. The suffering and sickness is so bad. What do we really do then? In this passage, it says that you, the sick one, needs to call the elders of the church. Now, let me pause there before I go a little bit further. That's why we don't stand up here on Sunday morning and say, if any of you say, come on down, we're going to have a healing meeting. Any of you sick, we've got our guys up here, we're going to anoint you with oil. It's not where various Bible study groups or Bible teachers or Sunday school class teachers are going to do a, a, an oil anointing time or praying for you. It's where that you are so sick, we have to do a house call or maybe a hospital call. You might be so sick you can't, so you have a loved one that calls us. However that is, it's you requesting a visit where someone comes to you. You call us. We don't announce it. We don't, we don't wait. We don't come unannounced. We might come to pray. We might be there to help you, to encourage you. But for this part of it, you have to say, will you do it? Here it says plural. So you should call for maybe more than one. It says call for the elders of the church. Now that phrase, the church, doesn't say the elders of a ministry, the department heads of ministries, or Bible college, or seminary people, teachers, etc., or faith ministries, or evangelists. It says the elders, the shepherds, the pastors of the church. Which now, and I'm going to take a little bit of a step, would imply if you're calling the elders of the church, it ought to be your church. Perhaps there's a link here why it is important to unite with a faith family of people who really know you, who really care for you, who will serve you, who will help you in your walk and your intimacy with God, who will be there for you. But in the context, it really opens up why it should be the church. Because in a moment, if you're sick, it talks about confessing your sin. It talks about dealing with some of the brokenness in your life that might need to be dealt with before we ever pray over you, before the oil is ever anointed on top of you. 
It becomes a time where that someone who really knows you, that you can trust, really authentically cares for you, and knows the word, one you know who knows the word, will guide you through this whole process of self-examination. So that becomes part of the elders of the church, not just somebody out there. That doesn't mean they couldn't be there with you, support your family, your friends, people you grew up with. Yeah, have them all there. But keep the personalities in the right order. So the initial person who makes this contact will be the sick person. And it's talking about someone who is really, really ill. Now it goes on here, it says to pray, and it talks about in the name of the Lord. Just so you know that the pastors do not do the healing. None of us have that power. All we're doing is taking you, doing what God says to do with you, and bringing you to God. And then, in some measure, we're bringing God and His Word to you, and you and God and the Spirit are working all of this out, so we become a facilitator of all of this for you, but we're not the healers. We're just your shepherd. What a high calling that is, though. And then it says, in the prayer of faith, we'll save the sick. That'll be the results. And it talks a little bit more about committing of sin. Number one, when should I pray? When I hurt emotionally, when I hurt physically, and when I hurt spiritually. We alluded to that because that's so much a part of the other points, but I wanted to park on this just a little bit longer here. When I'm hurting spiritually. There's two warnings I'd like to give to you. Warning number one is this. And that is attributing all sickness to sin. Uh, people like to do that, and, but in reality, not every sickness is due to sin. You need to know that. Your family needs to know that. And as the shepherd of this church, I want you, as you hear sick people in our church, don't look down on them because assuming they must have sinned and that's why they're sick. Now, here's the other warning. And that is, I'm sick. It has nothing to do with sin in my life. I'm okay. It's just sickness. Everybody gets sick. True. That's true. Everybody does get sick. But right now, God does say that there is a sickness that's attached to sin. And so while we don't want to say all sickness is sin, you also don't want to say no sickness is sin. Sometimes there is. And so use it as an opportunity for God to speak to you through that event of an illness in your life. Now let's look at verse 16. It says, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Well, of course, in the Bible days, they attributed a lot of illness to sin. We have to be very careful for that. But... On the other hand, I want you to know that it is a time for you to then look at your life. Now, when you do, and there's a purging in your life where you now see this sickness that you have, and whether you can directly tie the link of that sin to that illness, and I don't want to do that here with a particular sin to a particular illness, but you do it in your mind. If you can, it makes it easier for you. You know you are sick because you did something that was wrong. It was a moral sin you committed. You did something against your body, taking something in, and you knew it was wrong because your body belonged to God. It was a temple of God, and you chose to pollute it. You know what you did. That makes it easy for you. We can deal with that. There are others of you that say, I, I can't put my finger on any particular sin that's directly connected. That sin actually brought this illness. So for you, it might be that you have regarded a particular sin in your life, and because of just that sin in general, God has allowed you to become weak at that moment, maybe through issues in your life that's now causing you to look up to God, who's still out there, whether you're on the radio or just listen. I really care for you. 
But for that moment, allow it as another love gift from the Lord, as a little wake-up call that there's a problem. It's like a red light on the dashboard of your car. You don't shoot the car, you don't throw it in the river, you deal with it. You don't break the red light, you deal with it. And so when you see this issue, don't walk around trying to blame or, or minimize this issue. Say, you know what, God's allowing this to cause me to do some, some purging right here. So humble yourself, receive His grace, receive His mercy. Receive this as him saying, I love you so much, I have to do something in your life that now you're willing to listen to me. Now, it may mean that you'll get healed. It may not. But one thing will happen, if you deal with it properly, you'll be closer to the Lord. So here it talks about confessing your sin. Well, you confess it to the Lord, this is where I've blown it, this is what I need to get right, my thought, talk, and walk wasn't right, I'm confessing it to you. You've always sinned against God, I've sinned against the Lord but someone else is involved in this now, then you need to confess it to them. Now here's the biggest question I get. Do I need to confess it in front of the church? Do I need to confess it to other people? To whom do I need to confess this? I'm going to give you my opinion, and I, I think it's a sanctified opinion. It may be wrong, but this is how I feel. Well, I believe that your circle of confession is only as large as the people you've offended. If it's one person, just go to them. Now let me tell you, if you had an angry thought to someone, and that person doesn't know it, then you take care of it with the Lord. But in your anger, you let out some things to that person, and you brought them down emotionally, you said some things, you cursed, whatever, you need to do that. If others heard that, you need to deal with that group. Do you need to confess it to the church? I don't think so. Confession is to be used to be a healing situation, not to create confusion in the body. So you deal with it at that particular level. Authentically, not the words, we don't do sin management, we really are broken. We really do realize we've hindered our walk with God and we've hindered someone else's walk with God and we're not right. And then God says what? He says, I'll forgive you, I'll cleanse you from all your unrighteousness. So then you confess it to them. Some of you are going to write me an email and you're going to say, why isn't everybody healed? I have an answer for that. I don't know. I just don't know. I wish I could heal people that are sick. Starting with my family, and moving to you people right here and to the people you love. I don't know. I can't do it. What's the condition though? In this context, confess, deal with it, call for the elders. That anointing of that oil could mean a lot of things from medicine to a time of connecting with the Lord to a time of just giving the word. There's a lot of different analogies that could be done with that. The point of the matter is it's not anything magical in oil. It's just oil. Nothing magical in the pastor. He's just a man. But the mechanism altogether, sensing that I can't do it, I need him, I'm going to do it his way, God's way, his way. Maybe that healing will occur. All right, let me move to the next question. Who can pray? There's two verses right here. And it's, when you look at this, you wonder, what, what is he really trying to get here? Look at the verse. It says, when, I, when I'm answering the question, who can pray? It says this, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. If this is your Bible, would you circle the phrase, with a nature like ours? That's the key. And it says, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it didn't rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again. And the heavens gave the rain and the earth produced its fruit. All right, now you're saying, what, what is that all talking about? Let me see if I can make some sense out of the whole story here very briefly. 
You know that Elijah went up on top of the mount and he had this big uh, uh, God showdown with a small G, God showdown here, and big G won, God won over all these other people that were worshiping Baal. So Elijah was right there with God doing a massive miracle. All this wonderful stuff was happening. Then Elijah hears this message that there's this uh, uh, political woman, queen, who's after him. And so then he gets so afraid, he runs about the length of the state of Florida and he hides because he's so scared. Now with those two events that happen within a chapter of themselves in the Old Testament, you see a man who did great things for God and then acted very fearfully when he shouldn't have been after he saw God do great things through him. So basically, here's what I'm taking from that. Elijah was, and here's the person who could pray, an ordinary person. I don't want you to think that merely pastors or priests or religious leaders are the people you go to to get your prayers answered. I receive from you today your prayer requests and I will pray for you. But I don't have a corner on the market. I'm praying for you because of what it's going to do, perhaps for you to know someone else is praying for you that cares. What it's going to do for me, I'll be drawn closer to you because I know what you're going through and I care for you and I know you a little bit better and maybe serve you better. But I'm also going to be drawn closer to the Lord and what God's going to do in my life through this whole thing. But again, there's nothing magical or mystical in me. I'm an ordinary guy. And so are you, guys. And you gals. Ordinary. That means any one of you can pray. That's the beauty of it. Well, now how do I pray more effectively? How can I pray more effectively? We're going to go on a little journey through James very quickly here. This is kind of like summarizing old camel knees here. James, I must ask. If I'm going to pray more effectively, I have to ask. I have to ask. I had an event happen last night. I'm going to share this story with you. It's a little personal, but not too dramatic. You know my wife, uh, she loves our pets. She loves me, but she loves our pets. Okay, you know Carol. We have two cats and a dog. And uh, one little cat, we call him Kaloe, and that means rascal. And Carol doesn't like the cats to go outside. She doesn't want them to get fleas. She doesn't want them to get hurt. So they're inside cats. But... Our dog is inside, outside. So last night, I am, you know, doing the floors, doing the laundry, getting the kitchen clean because she's out of town. So it looks spotless. The bachelor pad looks great, you know. So it's late now, and I'm so tired, and I still have my packing to do and get all my stuff ready for the trip. And so I let little Koa out the door. He runs out, goes in the backyard. It's all fenced, no big deal. And he's yap, 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 yap. What is he barking at? So I go out there, two balloons that were tied together blown from some house that had some kind of a shindig into our backyard and our little watchdog is afraid of two balloons so that tells you how safe we are anyway so he's barking at these things so now i'm grabbing the balloons and i'm trying to grab him and and our houses are very close together in our little valley i mean really close together and i didn't want to disturb our neighbors so you you want to love your neighbor so now the dog's barking i can't get him in i'm trying to hold the balloons and he won't come in so i open the door and i say come on in come on in go 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 Soon as I did, Chloe, pew, out the door, you know. And so I'm closing the screen door, and kids, ladies, and I close the door on the cat's tail. And I just know our neighbors thought I was beating my wife. But I wasn't. And then this cat takes off. And then Koa takes off. And so now it's 9, 9.30. And I'm looking for dog, looking for cat. Can't find cat. Find dog. Bring dog in. Realizing now this cat will never come home. Because he's got to go through that same screen door. What, what, what smart cat would ever want to go back through the door that nearly took his tail off, all right? 
I want to tell you, I was a little stressed. I mean, I, I, honestly, I wasn't so stressed about the cats. I, 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 I love Carol, and I didn't want her to be hurt knowing that this cat's gone. And I, the, Hi, honey. Thanks for picking me up. Oh, great. How are the cats? One's missing on my watch, you know. So I was stressed out. I wasn't sick. Stressed out, though. And I was stressed for a while because I didn't know how I was going to tell Carol what I was going to do, trying to figure out how to bait the cat and everything I could. You know what I didn't do? I didn't pray. So for 30 to 40 minutes, I'm stressed over this dumb, stupid senior pastor of International going to a conference to speak. I'm stressed over some dumb cat. A nice family house cat. I'm stressed. And finally, the Holy Spirit brought what? what just ask. And so I didn't go through a big line on it, but all right, Lord, I'm going to ask. Not because I deserve it, but Carol does. <laughs> Would you bring this cat back? Not 15 minutes later, that cat was there, came, opened the sliding door, and the cat runs in again, jumped up on the bed. You know what I did? I hugged that cat and said, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. So I slept better last night. Bottom line, you got to ask. Look at the verse. You do not have because you do not ask. Number two, you have to ask with the right motives. When you ask and you do not receive, it's because you ask with the wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. So make sure that what you're asking for is to bring glory to God, help to be used to help other people come to faith, if they have come to faith in Christ alone, that they're growing in the Lord, that it would not hurt them spiritually. All right, ask with the right motive. Number three, you must have a clean life. James 5, it goes from 4 to 5 now. It says, the effective, fervent prayer of a, what kind of person? Righteous man avails much. Circle the word righteous. I hope you heard through the entire message today that really prayer has a lot to do with cleaning up ourselves on the inside. These external things are to bring us to a realization of an intimacy with God that we need to have, of which sin will block. And we've got to deal with it. You have to have a clean life. Look at Proverbs 28, 9. It says, He that turneth his back from the hearing of the law, even his prayer is an abomination. How many people today, this morning, are crying out unto God at the same time they've lived like the devil last night? Isaiah 59.2 but there is a problem your sins have cut you off from God God hasn't because of your sin he's turned away and will not listen anymore it's not that God wants to do all of this stuff you shut him off I've shut him off alright number four you must ask in faith and expect an answer but when he asks he must believe and not doubt well, my friend prayer is not just yik yakking with God it is believing that the same God who heard Abraham is the same God who wants to hear you it's a God who wants to have things come into your life so that those things will bring you into intimacy with Him. And so the whole thing of faith is you have to believe that He exists, that He is God. You have to believe that you have that right relationship with Him because you've done it His way, not your way. And then you've got to believe that He's going to answer you according to His will, His way, His glory, and His timing. And really believe that. And then what you do is you give Him your calendar, and you give Him your way, and you say, Lord, it's all up to you because I already got everything that I wanted. It wasn't those things. It wasn't the healing. It wasn't a car. It wasn't a job. What I wanted was a closeness with you. And I got that already without all that stuff. What a way to end the book of James where we began having a close walk with God, asking the Lord in faith, not wavering, and then we end with prayer. 
But for some of you right now, you have a greater need than a car or a job or a relationship or your health. What you need right now is to have all your sin forgiven and to have Jesus Christ as your own personal Savior. Now to do that, your conversation with Him would be to say, Lord, I recognize that I am a sinner and my sin has separated me from you. You tell the Lord that. That's a prayer. You tell Him now that you know that that sin that's separating you from, from Him is a sin that's part of the whole nature that you have. So no matter how good you try to be, you can't erase that nature of sin. And then you tell the Lord that you realize that there is existence after death and that if you don't trust Him, it'll be in a real horrible place known as hell. And the worst part of hell isn't the flame, so you can get away from all of that. The worst part of hell is being separated from God forever. Tell them that you know that you have to be perfect, but you're not. That's okay. Everybody in this room would pray the same prayer, and most of them have. And then maybe your prayer is to say, Lord, I want to thank you that I know that my good works won't get me there because I know I'll never be good enough. So, Lord, I'm letting you know now that if I'm ever going to get into heaven, it's nothing I've done, but it's what you've done. And then why don't you call upon him as the Lord who died and rose again. Lord, I believe that you are the only God and Savior Jesus Christ. And I want to thank you, Jesus Christ, for going to the cross and spilling your blood and rising again. Now that's a prayer. This prayer might not set you up for a healing. It might not set you up for a job or a better relationship. But this prayer will not just set you up. It will guarantee a relationship with God forever and a home in heaven. Now what you have to do, though, is you've got to make sure that it's only by faith. It's not by faith and a bunch of promises of a changed life. Faith and commitment to pray more. It's just coming to Him saying, Lord, I believe you'll forgive me of all my sin. You'll cleanse me. And now I have eternal life. Now, Lord, I choose to be good not to get to heaven. I choose to be good not so I can keep going to heaven. I'm choosing to live a better life now because I am going to heaven as a way to say thank you for what you've done for me on the cross. Now, you talk about prayers. There is no better prayer, yea, there's no more important prayer than to pray that prayer. Because in a sense, that's the prayer that gets you through the door. Because Jesus is the door. Gets you through the door of that relationship that you want. And then the rest of it really starts coming at you. Like walking through the door of Disney World. And yet so, so much more. Is there anyone in here they would like to let me know that you are praying. You're talking to the Lord, even though it's not so much a prayer as it is a communication with Him. But you're talking to the Lord now, and you are claiming Him as your Savior by faith alone. And you're doing it right now in here today. Today's the day. You've never done it before. You're settling your eternal destiny right now. And you'd like for me to pray for you. Remember, me praying for you won't get you to heaven. But I want to welcome you into God's forever family. I care for you. And as a pastor, my responsibility is to know the word and secondly, to pray. And I want to pray. I want to do my job. I love doing it and I love to pray. Okay, Christians, let me speak to you for a moment. Are you going through some illness right now? Do you think it would be wise for you just for a moment to look through that illness and see if maybe there's an opportunity for you to 
look at some areas of your life that need to be worked on. I don't have anybody in mind. I have everybody in mind. I have me in mind. You're going through an inner stress right now? You'd like for me to pray with you as you're praying silently about those issues in your life today. A holier life. A life of intimacy with the Lord. A life of desiring others in your family and friend network to know Christ. And you'd like for me to pray for you and you. Father, as we bring this wonderful book of James to a close, I want to thank you that in your mind you have designed James. You placed him in his mother's womb that he was born, that he was reared, that he really lived. And Father, you really inspired him to write what he wrote to a group of people 2,000 years ago that was also meant for us today. And so Lord, now help us to know that prayer is more than just asking and receiving. It's building an intimacy with you, through communing with you as we evaluate our life. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. In Jesus' name. Amen. This is Joe Pons, and I want to thank you for listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries and president of Clarity Christian College. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It's the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. That's makeitclear.org. Thank you for helping us make it clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please email us at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. That's tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear.